Well, hello. Good to see everyone here, and good to see you if you're watching online. Uh, we're Luke chapter 9, 28 to 43. If you've got a Bible, uh, you can have a look, um, because I'll be referring to some of it. It's on page 1314 in my Bible, and uh, a similar page in yours, I'm sure. Um, so it's eight days after Jesus had said something. What's he said? He's just said, he's just predicted his death and told them the Son of Man will suffer many things. That's what's just happened. Uh, And so um, eight days later, he takes Peter, John, and James, and they go for a hike. Not just any hike, they go up a mountain, which is known as the Mount of the Transfiguration. It wasn't known as the Mount of the Transfiguration at that point. If it was, that would have given the game away. Uh, We call it that now, but it was just a mountain. And uh, you can visit the Mount of the Transfiguration now, um, and there's quite an interesting transport operation uh, going on. You go there on a a big coach with with your tourist bus or your retreat group or your pilgrimage group in a big coach. Uh, and then there's a little bus station, and, uh, and so you get off, and it, it's a bit like Haney Place Mall, actually, similar size, not the mall, but the, the bus station there. And you get off the coach, and then there's, there's a little minibuses, like the little buses that run around up and down the streets of Maple Ridge, the 746 and 45 and all those. Uh, so it's like a little one of those, and that takes you all the way up to the mountain. And, uh, and when I went, um, there's a church up there, and, uh, and it was just about to close. So we found ourselves knocking on the door, begging uh, at 10 minutes to four that they'd let us in. Um, I don't know why they were closing, but they were. Uh, And so um, there's a church there now. But of course, that would not have been the case. They would have walked up the mountain. And uh, and I'm just trying to get across that this isn't like a a big mountain. It's more of a small mountain. Um, It wasn't going to be like a several-day hike. It's quite short, and it's not that steep, which is how now there's a paved road going up there. So really the point of it is they're just trying to get away. And uh, anyone that likes hiking will know uh, the joy of of hiking, whether it be a hill or a small mountain or just somewhere um, with a a view, and just to get away. And you get that sense of perspective, don't you, on what life is like. Uh, If you've been up Grouse Mountain, um, on that cable car thing, gondola, uh, it's called, isn't it? If you go up on the gondola and then you, you look down and you can see, um, I mean, obviously, if there's no clouds, which there normally are, but if you happen to get the three days of the year when there are no clouds, you get a beautiful view of um, Vancouver and the city below. So we go to mountains uh, often to get away and to have some time out. And that's what's going on here. They're going to the mountain. And the title I've given the sermon today, Can We Stay Here, is really picking up what Peter feels. Can we just stay on the mountain? You know? Can we just stay here? It's good. So they're going up, and they're going up to pray. And it says in verse 29, As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. When we pray, our appearance changes. When we worship, our appearance changes. Uh, If you meet somebody who has spent some time on retreat, or they've spent a lot of time in church worshiping, and then you see them afterwards, uh, you might notice that they look different as the cares of this world have fallen away, and they've spent time, uh, intense time, 
in the presence of God. It's just help me out. Has anyone, just raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you. Have you seen somebody ever and you've seen them and you've thought, you look like you've spent time praying because you look different? A uh, few people have. Uh, look out for it. Because as people pray, uh, we, we change. Two, if you pray for somebody, you might see their face change um, as the Holy Spirit comes on them. And they might be full, particularly of a joy or a peace that wasn't there before. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, It's not just for Jesus on the mountain because he was the son of God. And why wouldn't he look different? This is for all of us. As we pray, uh, we appear different. Now, our clothes are not going to be as bright as a flash of lightning unless you've got some kind of oxygen bleach in your washing. I'm I'm not expecting that's going to happen. But there is something about looking different when we spend time praying. So there they are, there's this flash of lightning, and Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, and they're talking about his departure. So this is just what we we heard at the start of the reading. It was eight days after Jesus had talked about uh, his death. So there they are, they're on the mountain, and they're there talking about how it's going to end, what Jesus' departure will be, so that the fulfillment will happen, the fulfillment of um, everything that the prophets had spoken about. And um, just raise a hand if you've ever been on a retreat or if you've ever been on a corporate thing with your, with your work or your school and you've gone somewhere for a day and there's been lunch. And I want you to think about how you feel after lunch. I remember going to um, a, a retreat day in, in the Diocese of Birmingham with, with some nuns at, um, at a, a, a place they had um, in the east side of Birmingham. And... Um, the food was exceptional. The food was exceptional. Anyone been on retreat with good food? Or a business meeting, that one of those ones that goes on all day and you have a really good lunch, you know? And so you eat and you eat, and then there's seconds. Um, and this was, I remember, homemade apple pie with custard, which I like. Uh, I know not everyone likes custard, but you know, you could have it with other things too. But homemade apple pie, and then seconds of apple pie, and so we were all feeling quite full. And then, of course, then comes the kicker, because you have to go into the afternoon session. And the seats are always comfy. They're always comfy. Often, in fact, there was one, this wasn't a church retreat, but it was a, a railway retreat, would you believe? And, um, and we had these armchairs and so they were like the armchairs we've got outside the front of church here. And so we have this massive lunch, and then we have to go and sit down in these big armchairs and talk about how we feel about the company vision. And, you know, we were like Peter and the others up on the mountain, dozing off. Um, and uh, so don't feel bad if you've been on a retreat and you've dozed off. Sometimes um, uh, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is just sleep at these things. <laughs> and, and I wonder if the food is a blessing to enable that to happen after lunch. Anyhow, there they are. They're dozing off in the presence of Jesus. And uh, obviously, suddenly they awake as they see uh, the, the other people there. They see Moses and Elijah. And, and Peter is excited. Well, you probably would be too, wouldn't you? If you went for a hike up Golden Ears and you saw Peter, um, you saw Moses and Elijah appearing, and Peter says uh, what Christians always say: "Can we stay here? Can we stay in this moment? This is good. This is good. We've got everyone here. Who else do we need? We've got Jesus. 
We've got Moses and Elijah. Let's build some tents and, and put them up here so that we can stay here. Now, if you read the text as opposed to hearing it, you'll notice that there, is, there are some brackets. The brackets is the gospel writer, uh, Luke in this case, telling us uh, a piece of information. He says in brackets, he did not know, he being Peter, he did not know what he was saying. And so what happens next is a cloud rolls in, which happens if you're on the mountain, and it covers them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A number of years ago, I learned to fly in a small plane. And um, when you learn to fly in a small plane, um, it's not very safe flying in the clouds. Um, but the level at which they want to teach you is that if you find yourself in a cloud, you can get out again. Um, which makes sense, doesn't it? So you don't want to go in a cloud, but they want you to get out if you've gone into one. And to practice flying in cloud, uh, you don't actually go into a cloud, because that would be very dangerous and quite stupid. Uh, so what you do is they give you these glasses called foggles. Can you say foggles? I just thought you'd enjoy saying foggles in church. So they're like goggles, and they've got a small square uh, that you can see out of, and everything else um, is, is foggy. That's how it's meant to look. Uh, and so you practice flying um, through uh, what is perfectly clear air, but wearing these foggles. So it creates the idea that you can't see anything. All you can see is the control wheel and the instruments in front. But there is a difference between flying with foggles on and flying in a cloud, because when you fly with foggles on, you can, of course, take them off. And actually, it's gone foggy now. I <laughs> can't see anything now. <laughs> uh, you, can take, you can take your foggles off, and you can see. So if you get nervous, if, you, if you're not sure what's going on, you can take them off, and all of a sudden, you're OK. When I've experienced actually flying into cloud, it is completely disorientating. Because I'm wanting to take my foggles off, and I haven't got them. It's just cloud. And all I could see was just this, this whiteness. Uh, completely um, lost in the middle of a cloud, and trusting that my little readings uh, on, on the instrument was telling me where I was, because there's no GPS or anything on that little plane. Um, completely disorientated. And so they're in this cloud on the mountain, completely disorientated for a moment. They are afraid, it says, as they entered the cloud. I can understand why they would be. And then they hear a voice in the cloud. And it's the voice of God saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And then like a movie, the cloud disappears and everyone's gone. Except Jesus, Peter, John, and James sat on the mountain. Can you imagine what they would have felt? They've gone up the mountain to pray. They've dozed off. They're awoken, seeing uh, the, the, this act that we call the transfiguration happen. Then there's a cloud with the voice of heaven affirming that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. And then, in a moment, everything's gone. And I imagine it was calm and it was still as they're sat on the mountain. Can we stay here? Can we stay here? 
Archbishop Melissa, who was the former bishop of our diocese, uh, said that one of the functions of the church, um, one of the models of ministry that we have in the Anglican church certainly, is what she would call gather, transform, and send. And so we gather for worship so that we might be transformed by the presence of God through the Holy Spirit and the Word uh, in our midst and in fellowship with one another. And then we are sent out into the world to be uh, bringers of good news, to be agents for change, to be people of peace. And so, no, we cannot stay on the mountain. We cannot stay in the church. It is good to be in the church. It is good to come to worship for an hour or 55 minutes or 45 minutes on a Sunday morning. It is good to come in for morning prayer at nine o'clock every day if you can for 15 minutes. But we cannot stay here because there is work to do. The work we have to do is as we look at a world at war, is we have to be people who work towards bringing peace and justice. And I don't know about you, but I feel overwhelmed right now, not knowing what can I do? How can I make a difference? And as any of you who've heard me preach before know, I, I love to have a so what. So what do we do with this? Okay, so we, we, it's good to be on the mountain. It's good to be in the presence of God. It's good. Tonight, we've got City United. We're meeting at the Alliance Church. It's uh, different Christians from around the city. We're going to have a time of loud and lively worship. I say loud because I went to the music practice and I sat in the second row, which was stupid um, <laughs> because there was no one else in the building. And so there was no one to absorb the sound and I had a headache the next day because it was so loud. Um, so I'm trusting that tonight with a full congregation, it won't be quite as loud. But it's good to spend those times together with other Christians, but we cannot do it all the time because we need to go. But what do we do? In many cases, it's, there are ways. If I'm preaching about, um, about child slavery or child, you know, child trafficking comes up, we can say, this is why we can buy fair trade chocolate, because we know then that no children have been involved in, in the production process. Um, and that people have been given a fair deal for the products when we buy the fair trade coffee that we, we sell out there. I'm pointing because I can see it on the shelves. Um, but what can we do with the situation we see in the world now with Ukraine? It feels very easy to say um, we can pray. And yet it also doesn't feel enough, I think. I'd like to do more, but what can I do? And yet, what I can do, I should and I must. Um, the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury, and no doubt others, have said, Ash Wednesday is coming up. What if we make Ash Wednesday, which is already a day of prayer and fasting, what if we make that an intentional day of prayer and fasting and prayer for peace? And so we'll have opportunities here, nine o'clock in the morning, in the morning prayer slot, we will have an Ash Wednesday liturgy, which will also be available online. So I encourage you, even if you don't normally tune into morning prayer, uh, either come or watch it. Um, and then if you're not able to come and you'd like to receive ashing, um, which is when a small amount of ash um, is 
made in the sign of a cross on your forehead, um, and we say the words, remember that you are but dust, and to dust you shall return. So it's this uh, beginning of Lent and, and, and setting, um, setting the scene for Lent as we do that. So that will be available at 7 o'clock in the evening. So 9 o'clock you can come for a service, you can watch the service online, catch it any time in the day, uh, and in the evening if you'd like to come um, and uh, receive um, ashes as a, as a sign of, of that um, repentance at the start of Lent, then that's what we can do. But somehow take some time, if you can, to join in with this worldwide day of prayer and fasting on Wednesday. Um, there's about two billion of us who claim to call ourselves Christians in the world. And so, will it make a difference? It's a lot of people. A lot of people who might spend some time praying um, about the situation. And we know that prayer changes things. There's some resources on our Facebook page, um, and I can send them to you if you haven't got access to that, that I've shared from 24-7 Prayer with some prayer liturgies for um, the conflict in Ukraine. And we also can be mindful of people who live near us, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers who have particular family connections or to, to the situation there, to those from Russia, to those from other countries in that part of the world who are uh, feeling this in a personal way because they have particular friends and family connections. And so we gather that we might be transformed by the word, by the spirit at work in us, so that we can be sent into a world to make a difference. Sometimes that difference is easy to see what we can do and what difference it will make. We can go bless a family, we can give away some clothes to a family in need, or, or, or those kinds of things. Sometimes it's really hard to see what difference we can make. So, yet, the work needs to be done. We cannot do nothing. And that's what we see with Jesus. Um, as I read through the reading and I kind of thought, why, why did they want us to do that bit next? The bit about Jesus healing the demon-possessed boy. doesn't quite fit. We could have just left it there on the mountain with a, with a wonderful time. But no, we have to come down the mountain because there is work to do and there was work for Jesus to do. He came down from the mountain the next day, it said. So I guess they camped up there overnight. And um, he is begged by someone in the crowd to go and look at his son um, who is possessed by a demon. And he casts the demon out. Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and they gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. There is work for us to do. We cannot stay here. We gather, we go for retreats, we enter into times of worship so that we can be transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit with us intentionally, and then we go. We go to make a difference in the world. I'm going to finish with a prayer. I invite you to stand if you'd like to. Um, sometimes it's nice to check people are still awake and haven't dozed off on the mountain. Lord Jesus, 
We thank you uh, that you love each and every one of us. We thank you that in dying on the cross, you showed your love for the whole world. We pray in the midst of uh, the story of the transfiguration, of what it's like to spend time in your presence, in those holy places. We pray that you would fill us today with love and joy and peace, with the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit, that as we go down the mountain into the valley, as we go out into a world where conflict is on the front pages of the news, you would use us to be people of peace, to be your hands and feet. What if we started praying and really started praying? What difference could that make? So Lord, would you use us this week? In Jesus' name, amen.